0: I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the World's Second Finest Podcast. Today, we're talking about The Batman Adventures, issue 10, which came out June 1st, 1993. Same team as the previous issue. This issue is chock full of bad guys all running to capture some jewels at a museum. Who will be the one to do it? We're going to find out. Jason, just real quick, what did you think of this issue?
1: Oh, I fucking loved it.
0: Yeah. I fucking
1: loved it. It it, it yet again is continuing the streak of being the best bat book on the shelves by like a pretty good
0: margin. I do think it was the best bat book on the shelf. However, Mm. I do feel like Nightfall is starting to rise to what I remembered Nightfall to be we're going to get into that in a second but let's talk about shadow of the bat 14 first that was also on stands i didn't really read it i flipped through it on the app it uh wasn't scanned very well which is usually an indication that maybe not a lot of people are reading shadow of the bat 14
1: <laughs> yeah prob- probably not i mean you yeah, we can get into it more later if you want but there there was a, a quality to the art that i really really enjoyed
0: we can talk about it now. You know, what What is it about the art that you really enjoyed? It was this like loose kind of
1: expressiveness where like I think that like as a kid, if you're reading it, like if I was reading it at the age I was when it came out, like yeah. it would have come across as like kind of cool, but maybe like a little sloppy, you know, because it wasn't like not all the forms and whatever were perfect, but it had a great style to it. Like it actually yeah. kind of reminded me a little bit of your style. It's just this nice like nice like a uh, uh, chunky like the lines weren't as thick as you'd like to go but it's just a nice sure. kind of like chunky sort of uh almost not quite blocky but blocky-ish like to, to to all of the characters and I really I I especially nowadays really enjoy that kind of thing like someone like some people will, will uh give uh Frank Quitely shit for being like all of his characters like look the same, like even like the women or whatever are like big and jacked and their faces are big, but I'm just like, but I (laughs) kind of dig that though. Like I dig that. Like I want like wonder woman to have a chin, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, it makes you realize more that like, Oh, this is someone's personal style. Whereas like not to shit on like a fill in artist or anyone, but like a fill in artist is just supposed to get the job done and like, it'll be good, but like, it won't be like memorable. This at least had like a memorable kind of like, Albeit yeah. sometimes a little sloppy, but like
0: I, just... I also enjoyed the art. Who did who did that issue? Do you remember offhand? I do not. I'm gonna look it up. Shadow of the Bat 14 was penciled by Joe Statton and inked by Steve Mitchell. Okay, uh, I'm not familiar with those names, but I, I just had a thought of another of what that
1: art style reminded me of. Is it John McCray? I don't know who you
0: remember Hitman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does kind of look like Hitman. Yeah that, like, yeah, that that Garth Ennis story he did with the with the guy who's becomes a hitman because he has the power of like x-ray vision and he can read people's minds or something like that. So he made an excellent hitman.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it takes place in the DC universe. And he's like, yeah, a, a killer, but friendly with heroes. And it was all that, you know, the Garth Ennis tropes of shocking humor and all that but it, it reminds i'm pretty sure john McCrae was the name of the artist
0: i've always wanted I, to read that one i remember
1: back in the day hearing it was a lot of fun yeah and even like even uh uh you know indie comics malcontents like me were like okay well it's ennis and you know oh, they're making fun of <laughs> the superheroes so like it's like cool to read and stuff like god it's so funny thinking about like anyone caring about looking cool within comic books books. It's, it's just like listen everybody is looking down on us no matter what what strata or genre of comic book you like it's it's all the same shit to people
0: it's it's particularly enjoyable when you're on the creator side there's A lot of creators who are just like, I just love comic books and I'm just making them. And then there's a lot of creators who see themselves as like rock stars within the genre. And I'm like, I'm like, buddy. Yeah. take your sunglasses well, off. We're all indoors, you know, yeah. like, well, it's like that story and
1: that story in the latest, uh, and I hope you don't mispronounce his name. Cause he's one of my like creative idols, but uh, in the latest Adrian Tomine book, like it's like a little bit of a memoir, you know? Yeah. And there's a story of when drawn and quarterly first signed him when, after his mini comics, like, you know, got really popular. Sure. And like some guy confronts him at San Diego comic-con, like, you know, this is like 97 or something like that, or, Earlier, probably, and like, oh, like m- more deserving people deserve that spot, or blah blah blah. Or how much money Drawn and Quarterly gave you? And he said, He started laughing. He's like,
0: What, how, how much money do you think they gave me? Oh my god, like, how geez. much money
1: do you think Drawn and Quarterly There's,
0: has? There is a distortion between like the fans see a famous creator and what they expect that because they're putting that creator on a pedestal, and it's like the reality of how that creator lives is like you know in the simpsons when lenny's house the front of his house falls over and he's <laughs> sitting inside of this yeah. like shack and he's like over a plate of soup wearing no pants and he's like don't tell people how i live yeah it's like yeah. that it's it's very true to that um anyway yeah shadow of the bat 14 we're like way off the rails
1: <laughs> yeah sorry, sorry. well the, the art it's the art that got me the art the story's the story was fun and i think the story yeah. will be fun and cute but like the the art was the thing that really like and and i guess like what you saw as a bad scan like yeah i saw it as a bad scan but also like i've mentioned before about like reading cry the huntress i was like i eh, kind of like it yeah you there's know, like a certain like
0: texture it. to it if they're not dumping a file into the program, they're like, oh, we don't have the files for this. We need to scan the physical issue. Yeah, and so yeah. you get get a little bit of that paper texture in there. And it kind of like, I don't know. I, I think they played with the levels to get the blacks right and stuff like they tweaked yeah. it a little bit. But like it's still it feels fun. It feels tactile.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Exactly.
0: It's like you're reading book book. a real comic book. Yeah. It has a bunch of like cartoony faces and stuff like there's a I don't know. He's he's supposed to be like a midget guy in the in the carnival. Yep.
1: Oh, well, it's small, small person, small person, small person, little person, pers- little, little person little, in little, the carnival
0: little person. I wasn't sure what the correct term was. And they like made his head look like a fucking brick, like a yeah, like a, just like s- totally square. It's yeah, very fun. yeah, it's very fun. Exactly,
1: exactly. I love I, I love that. I'm just such a sucker for that kind of shit. I'm like, all right. All right. I'm I'm in,
0: you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not the best Batman ever, but servable to the story and, and just fun. Yeah. Just fun. Yeah. 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 Interesting art. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a two parter. We'll probably talk about it again. Maybe I'll read it for the next pod and we can get okay. into the story a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jason. Don't look now. Right behind you.
1: Ah. It's
2: nightfall. (laughs) You've got nothing. Beg for mercy. Scream my name.
1: Never. (laughs) I I
0: truly did not know where you were going with that. Batman double ship this month. Detective was a single issue. That makes three new Nightfall books on the stands. The reason it's not four is because I think DC wanted to let you stew a little bit in how uh, The 11th Nightfall issue ended. We're doing 9 to 11 for Nightfall. Doug Munch and Jim Aparo on Batman's 496 and 497. Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan on Detective 663. I'm going to get into my my little spiel real quick. Here's here's how it went down.
1: Break it down for me.
0: The police force and Batman both realize that the mayor is actually kidnapped by this point. Joker and Scarecrow get the mayor to get rid of the National Guard and send them through a tunnel to leave. Their plan is to blow up the tunnel with the National Guard inside. Police and Batman are hip to it. Batman goes goes into the tunnel alone and gets fear gassed. He sees Jason Todd being violently murdered all around him. The famous uh, death in the family storyline. Batman goes absolutely violently bonkers about it, just yelling Jason Todd while just punching the Joker. Yeah, I like that part. Jason, it was so good. It was so good. Scarecrow sets off a rocket flooding the tunnel. Is this the end for Batman and the mayor? Absolutely not. They both escape, of course, in the next issue. Well, yeah. Ventriloquist finds Scarface. Batman runs, quote-unquote, Bane's gauntlet of his henchmen trog is the first one he was the one who was operating the robot that blew up arkham asylum i didn't know what his name was until now his name is trog
1: <laughs> B- bane just I'm, I'm just i'm just kind of sighing, You're just shaking bane, your bane, head well just because like bane doesn't have memorable goons you no, know it no, just they're makes it terrible yeah it's just the stark contrast of the great goon content we've been seeing in, in it, adventures right, right you know so
0: trog is a, is a strong guy he's a brawler he just kind of hugs Batman Batman breaks a rib he manages to to eventually chuck tro- Trog off a roof after he does that he fights Zombie who is a knife thrower Batman tricks him by creating a decoy with his cowl and then knocks him out from behind and then eventually he fights Bird he just punches Bird a lot until Bird stops moving basically yeah yeah At this point, Batman is kind of done running Bane's gauntlet, quote unquote. It was like 15 pages in this issue. That was that was the quote unquote gauntlet. He gets back to the Batcave. He's like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm tired, Batman. And then gets up into the house. He sees Alfred knocked out on the floor. And what's this? Bane is in his house. Ooh, I wonder how he figured out that he was Batman. I think. I think he I think it's extremely easy to figure out. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I think the only person deep. who doesn't think so is Bruce Wayne.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like everyone's like letting him be like, you know, what, just let yeah, him just, have this. His just par- ha- let his, him have this.
0: His parents his, died. Just let parents him have died.
1: this. Plus, if we let them have this, he still like tries to be like a super good boy, rich guy and give us money. So like, let's keep that gravy train going. Exactly. Oh my exactly. God! Did we just did we just crack the case? Are all the villains actually just part of a grand conspiracy to get him to stay Batman, just maybe, so Bruce maybe. Wayne will feel guilty and like give money to the city? and Yeah, shit? gotta keep
0: that philant- philanthropy going. Yeah, the Bat philanthropy. He gets back home to the Batcave. Bane is in his house. We get Bane's motivation. Finally, he just wants to control Gotham. Like that's the whole motivation. He wants Gotham. Mm. Bane beats up Batman for like 18 pages in this issue. We get flashbacks. I thought this was kind of neat because I I know that you said that you didn't just read this, but you've read this so many times as a kid that we can talk about it. But one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting and kind of uh, coincidental is that we get flashbacks to a bunch of Batman stuff in the lead up to Nightfall and part of Nightfall. And the first flashback, the one that goes furthest back, is Black Mask's story that we read that we started the podcast on, which is like totally wild to me. So, yeah, we get flashbacks on basically every single book that we covered in the pod up till now, starting with Black Mask's issue. Alfred tries to go for help. Batman's getting his butt kicked. Chandra, his doctor, wonders where Bruce Wayne went as a patient. Batman is getting his butt kicked. He crashes into Jason's Todd's costume. Batman is getting his butt kicked. Uh, Robin decides he's going to rush to the scene after Alfred gives him a heads up. Batman's still getting his butt kicked. Bane yells at Batman to beg for mercy and scream his name. Batman tells him to go back to hell rather than killing him. At the very end, Bane famously breaks Batman's spine over his knee. And that is it. That is uh, the moment that DC Comics wanted to, to have you sit. You've been getting Batman weekly mainstream Batman content for what is it? Eleven issues up until this point. Every single week there's been a Batman book on the shelf. Mainstream yeah, so bat title over over two months of. Yeah, almost yeah. three months. And then they're yeah. like, we're just going to let you sit with this for a second. Like Bane broke Batman's back. Bane one, and we just want the fandom to sit with that for a week before we get back into it. Yeah, which, I I mean, good spot to take a break. Jason, what do you think of Nightfall so far? What do you think of these issues?
1: I I think it's it's pretty easy to tell, and maybe I'm way off base, but it at least feels like they started with the idea that wouldn't it be super dramatic if Batman got his bat- back broken like if bat if batman was made immobile like if someone like beat him right. wouldn't that be big and dramatic and then someone else is probably kicked back like well if someone's gonna break batman's back because like being that he doesn't have real superpowers his like actual superpowers like his like insane will to just you know he can force himself to do sure. and learn whatever like that's oh, gonna have to be a whole thing and So, but, but they started with like, oh, I want this cool thing to happen. And then like constructed something around it, which like is a way to, to, to write a story, you know, but I I think think when it's it's the way
0: that editorial thinks about a story for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the clearest things that are contrast between Batman adventures and, uh, nightfall, just all the other regular bat books with some exceptions of shadow is that the creative team on adventures seems to be
0: actually having fun, you know?
1: (laughs) And like, and and I get it that like, no matter, no matter. No,
0: man, I think that there's some people having fun within the nightfall series. I, you know, I look at the, there was when the Nightfall kicked off. I thought the Hatter series had some moments that w- or the Mad Hatter story had some moments that were like pretty fun. And you know, yeah, I, yeah. This is okay. Okay. This is you're you're kind of dovetailing into the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. We we chatted a little bit about how I'm starting to separate, you know, writers and artists out of the stew that is like the kind of house style of DC at the time. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that when Doug Munch is behind the wheel, I'm far more invested than when uh, Chuck Dixon is behind the wheel. Yeah. With these issues, these issues I feel like are perfect because it's Scarecrow and Joker doing antics and Batman getting fear gassed and him being like Jason Todd and just like making the Joker into freaking hamburger. I'm like, yeah. hell yes. Give me that. And that's Doug Munch writing that. And Jim Aparo yeah. on art. Th- and those are fun. And it was very, very fun. And then we got to Batman running the gauntlet of goons and it, w- I was just bored the entire time. And that was like Chuck Dixon doing that. Yeah. And then we got back to Doug Munch fighting Bane in the, uh, Wayne Manor and in the Batcave and I was like hell yes hell yes hell yes I just the whole time I was like I was like these issues felt I still think that the Batman Adventures book is the best book on the shelf but these books came close to like that I feel like that level like I really enjoyed the two Doug Munch books I really enjoyed uh, more than the Chuck Dixon stuff and this is the thing is like When you read Nightfall, it's like you get something that I get a piece that I might enjoy and then I get a piece that I, I don't really like, but is still kind of there. And then I get a piece that I kind of enjoy and then I get a piece that I don't really like. And it's like that alternating thing, I think, is coloring my entire perception of Nightfall as being like, eh, take it or leave it. But like, I, I really, yeah. truly think that there's some good content in here. It's just marred by the time that it was made. And then also, I just feel like if we had one writer behind the wheel of the thing, it might be more cohesive, you know?
1: Yeah. Nightfall overall as a story. You can give it a bit of a break as like, I think we talked about this before of like, this was kind of one of the earlier, like, big event crossover things, or at least... Yeah. This was before, like, crossovers were such a regular thing. I think, like, comics fans that maybe started reading comics right. in, like, 2000... Like, if they were, like, 12 years old in 2005, then,
0: like... Was there... They're just used... New- even Bat books that were crossovers before this? Like, was there big event, event Batman stuff? Because, like, yeah. my... I My can't perception Never. of the 70s and 80s is pretty hazy. 70s especially. I don't. There wasn't any events in the 60s or anything like that. But like, I I this might be Batman's first event.
1: Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to think of like even like Marvel stuff, like uh, like Dark Phoenix or whatever. That was like contained to just like the X books, and that was back when there were just two X right. books, and it was all Chris Claremont. You know, it was all right, yeah. one, one one writer. Author.
0: One author, one vision, one person behind the wheel.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think what you touched on with, like, you know, like, really liking the Doug Munch issues, like, to me, it seems like they were fun separate from the overall Nightfall story, right? And so, like, I, I, I just thought to myself, I'm like, well, then why do I care, though? Like, why am I caring about the a plot like the a plot is so boring to me and that and also (laughs) like every issue you're maybe giving like a cumulative like three or four pages and so like i think that that's why and even and i will read it again before the next podcast but just like remembering the issue where batman gets his back broken i think even as a kid again this was around the time i was kind of falling away from uh superhero like mainstream stuff but i think even as a kid like it just Honestly, it just lacked the punch to me because of that. Because, like, by the time Bane got there, like, sure, Batman's exhausted and Bane's kicking the shit out of him. But where the hell was Bane, like, you know, five issues before? Like, right. why why not have, like, why not introduce him, like, as a, a flashback issue at the beginning of Nightfall where, like, Batman runs into a younger Bane and, like, actually kicks his ass or something like that or humiliates him and, like, yeah, that's I his, think- like... I think- you know, just, he's just he's just like so disconnected from from Batman as um, remember that great twist spoiler for the uh, Marvel Knights Daredevil that Kevin Smith wrote. But remember that great twist that like Kevin Smith actually kind of like mentioned and sort of as like a fan service thing was winking at how shitty the Clone Saga was, where in his Daredevil run Mysterio like fucked up his life even though he wasn't really a Mysterio, a uh, Daredevil villain, you know, and Daredevil yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. but I, but you're, you, you have a problem I, with Spider-Man and he's like, yeah, but he was the, he was the wrong. And I'm like, Holy shit. That was like, that was great. And it was a great explanation as to why Mysterio is fucking with Daredevil and not, you know, but sure, so like, sure. this, this, this feels like somebody else's rogue from somebody else's rogue gallery, just kicking the door down and being like, I'm going to be the big bad now and we all just have to accept it. And like, sure, yeah. okay, y-
0: you know. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. Bane I, does I, feel, like, I know he's a yeah. Batman villain traditionally, but he does feel disjointed. He doesn't feel incorporated into the world very well.
1: Yeah, because, like, again, like Batman just, like, knows that he's causing trouble, and, like, I guess to give Nolan a little bit of credit, he made, him and his brother, who wrote the script, made Bane a... uh a fanatic true believer to make his like right. Like that's his motivation is his motivation is he fanatically believes in this like genocidal betterment of society, you sure, know, which sure. is like, which is cart, you know, cartoon villain thing. Sure. Great. But it's just like, Oh, I want to break Batman's back. Cause I want to control the city.
0: Why? What's, Why? Like yeah. what, what, what I was wh- thinking about this, you know, Bane's like, and Gotham's the prize. And I was like, you want to like, make sure the trash is getting picked up on time like what are you what are you doing bane like, like yeah why yeah. are we making sure, why are we trying to run gotham you know yeah, like what what's is- the what's the fucking point of this you're going to enforce the taxes like you're going to what well, i don't I, I don't know what you want here <laughs> i
1: want to see you know i really i want to see that book i want to see that book where Bain is the head of Gotham city council and he has the mask and venom on and everything. And <laughs> right, he's sitting right, there right, and right, he has right. to, and he has to calmly sit there like any good bureaucrat while like just crazy loony people start screaming at him about, you know, zoning laws and why that's letting <laughs> right, like, you know, right. the like, alien uh, people win, you know, and he's just you, like,
0: this is what you wanted, Bane. Here you yeah, go. He, <laughs> he, he,
1: he does that thing where you put your uh, thumb and forefinger to the bridge of your nose and go like, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that, that would, be really funny (laughs) that would be very good that would be very good if memory serves the story doesn't go that direction
1: no no and and like you know and i sigh about this kind of stuff and i don't want like i wouldn't i don't want people to get the wrong impression that like i don't have fun when i am reading these books because like it takes like a lot for me to like read a comic book and for me to think that like i wasted my time like even comic books sure sure that I really don't like from any genre or whatever. I yeah. just, I give it a few chances, but also I just go like, well, you know, it's, it, it was, There's something, something in there. The worst, there's, there
0: yeah. the worst comic book is still very, very good in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, I'll so still I'll, have,
0: I'll find fun in a comic book no matter what.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that like, but it's just, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we're here to talk about, like to talk about it. And it's just like, yeah, that's just opinions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking speaking of opinions, do you want to you want to get to the real the real heart of the matter, the real the the re- I I don't know where I'm going with this. Please help me if, out, Jason. <laughs>
1: if you I was just going to say if you and me were if, if you and me were more clever people, like each of us would have come up tried to come up with like a stupid riddle to have a uh, introduced. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Let's talk about what we're here for Batman adventures, Batman adventures issue 10 Kelly Puckett writing Mike Parobeck on pencils, Rick Burchett on inks, Rick Taylor on colors, Tim Harkins on letters, Scott Peterson editing same team as the previous issue. This issue features the Riddler, but also three new villains that I think were made specifically for the Batman adventures series. Like, I don't think these, I tried to dig up like any info I could on these villains And I think they're really only Batman Adventures. So not even the show, just Batman Adventures. Oh, wow. Okay. They are the Professor, the Mastermind, and Mr. Nice. And uh, I don't know if you... Did you do any digging on these characters, by the way?
1: No, I honestly just assumed that they were either like Golden or Silver Age characters that, you know, somebody knew they could just use as throwaways, really. like Okay.
0: So they do have that kind of vibe and we're going to get into it. But before we start, I I was digging around on trying to find any information on these characters because they were brand new to me. And Andy Corey, he's a DC editor or used to be a DC editor. He actually tweeted about how each of these characters were based on DC editors at the time. And so Denny O'Neill is the professor. That's P-E-R-F-E-S-S-E-R. Yeah. Per professor. Mike Carlin is mastermind and Archie Goodwin was Mr. Nice. Oh, no way. Yeah. They actually, apparently uh, according to Andy, they actually come back later in the Batman adventure series and they're in uh, prison jumpsuits and their own DC office phone numbers are written on the like prisoner number, you know, (laughs) But they never got any calls, Uh, apparently. They never got any calls. That's fucking great. A quote from Andy Corey. The professor was a parody of Denny O'Neill being very well read. In the back of the question, he always recommend books about Zen and philosophy and stuff like that. So the professor kind of like leans that way. I I could I could see Denny O'Neill being a big like Alan Watts fan. Yeah, yeah. Archie was known as being. Uh, very nice, so he was Mr. Nice. And then Carlin was grouchy, so he is the scowling mastermind. <laughs> Pretty good, oh, right? Oh, man.
1: Man. Remember, and I'm cribbing an old thing of yours, but remember when people used to have fun making comics? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Like... Uh... Like, yeah. like when they remember, like, like I get that it's work and like, you know, you spend eight or 10 hours doing anything, like no matter how much fun it is going to turn into work. But like, you know, sure. sometimes you, sometimes you go like, you know, like I'm a big football fan and like, sometimes like, you know, athletes will be like, yeah, you actually like, you know, you get on the field and sometimes you go, oh, wait a minute, this is a game, you know, i having a good time. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or, you know, and then, you know, and then sometimes it's just like, oh God, like it yeah but sure that, sure I absolutely love that kind of stuff
0: i can i tell you real quick as an aside before we get into the issue hmm. i have noticed because i've been doing this job now for since like 2003 creeping up on 20 years creeping up on 20 years i have about a four year ebb and flow that i will do four years where i am like totally present totally on it, loving comic books, and then, like, just, just so happy to be coloring comics. And then I will do a f- another four years after that where I am burnt out, and I'm like, it's just a job, whatever. Like, yeah. like I still, I will always try to do a great job, you know, like, no matter oh, yeah. what. But, like, my mentality, I've noticed, has a four-year ebb and flow. And part of the reason that we're, I'm doing this podcast is because... I kind of wanted to reconnect with some of the stuff that I love about comics in order to galvanize me it back into like the positive, like slingshot me back into the positive of just loving comic books, which has mostly worked. So, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that like, I mean, same for me. I mean, you you were the one who asked me to do this, but like, yeah. you know, I, I think that was kind of behind some of my reasoning. Not that I've ever stopped reading and loving comics, but like, you know, you just, dip out,
0: just, you dip back in. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and being what
1: I want to do um, creatively, you know, and what I'm working sure. on just creatively, personally, it's a it's a it's it's a big help. And and it's great. And it's great to see this kind of this kind of thing of like, oh, yeah, no, it's still work. But it's like, yeah, but you can still like and it's like, hey, you man, can still you have, have a be, good time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be so serious all the time. You know? Yeah. Like, so
0: let's get let's get into it. This is called The Last Riddler Story. And this one is Act One, Nigma's Nader. (laughs) That's,
1: yeah, I I chuckled. I I, I chuckled at that. And can I just say, the old school plane, maybe you know this. Do you know who is responsible um, art direction-wise for the, like, the 1940s person's idea of what the future will look like. That is the world of Batman. Oh, the animated I have, series.
0: I have no idea. I, I have to imagine it's, um, Bruce, Tim or James Turner, probably,
1: Yeah, but, maybe a mix of, you know? Yeah. Probably a mix. I, you know, for sure. I,
0: I, it's probably Tim. Cause I think he was brought in early on the, on everything. And I think when they were in the very early days figuring that stuff out, I think he was spearheading a lot of the design. But yeah, it's very very good. Like we're we're not we're seeing a giant plane on this first page with like an armored car, and everything looks like nineteen forties fifties esque kind of stuff. It's not a modern armored car; it's an armored car, almost like a kid would think of an armored car kind of thing.
1: And And the plane with four prop engines, like it's just such yeah, a cool right. looking design, you know, like I love yeah, when yeah. like uh this is getting a bit further away from the you know spot, but it's like one of the things I love about in like Japanese like mech comics is that like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is like ridiculous and unrealistic, but it's just like well yeah, but that's why it's so much fun,
0: sure, sure. We have Batman over the plane overviewing like I guess some money changing from the from the uh plane to the armored car.
1: Yeah, from the from the uh the the Dinks truck. They're loading up yeah, the
0: Dinks. And it's got a, like a little lock on it. So these are like security people who are like yeah, moving like these Yeah, like Brinks. Yeah. And they're moving the the stuff in and you have Mastermind and he's masterminding all these guys. All these guys that are moving the crates have headphones on and Mastermind is in the armored truck and and he's like the pilot's like, you fellows are new here, aren't you? Never seen you before. And Mastermind's over the radio, and he's like, remain calm. Respond with answer number 37. And he, the guy goes, yes, we're new. And Mastermind's like, well done. Well done. <laughs> it's, very, it's very silly. It's very silly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then and then cutting to him with like the old school microphone and the circle with like the wires holding on to it. Oh, uh, yeah, and, like, yeah,
0: yeah. Turning,
1: yeah. turning dials and like, right. You know, I can yeah. just, I can just, I can just hear like the 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 static and like the crackling in the radio. Be, like,
0: Absolutely, it's it invokes... answer number
1: thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yes, it's very, very good, Mastermind. For anyone who doesn't know, because he's kind of like a lesser villain, is kind of like a little pudgy scowling. He's got a fedora on. He looks kind of like a gangster. And the guys are guys are loading up the the, you know, all the money and everything. One of them says, Mastermind, look. And Batman comes swinging in because he's he's hip to the whole thing. And Mastermind is like, don't just stand there. Attack. Assume position B. And then the goons jump into action. And he's like, B, not D, B. And and they're just getting their butts kicked because Batman's, you know, of course, beating up goons. That's what Batman does. Yeah. And Mastermind is in the back and he's like, jab, then cross, then cross. How many times do I have to tell you? He's like really trying to like run the whole thing. Uh, yeah. A little bit. It felt a little bit like Clock King to me. Just a little bit, which is has been on the uh, animated series by now, I'm sure. Also yeah. one of my favorite villains, Clock King.
1: Well, you know, you're going to you're going to get some crossover and you're a villain theming. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. like Joker already took like the easiest one of just being insane. You know,
0: <laughs> right. So Batman, he finally, he catches up with Mastermind. He locks him up. Well, uh,
1: Mastermind had a plan for that and he was already handcuffed. And I yes. love the implication immediately at the end of that of, of this opening uh, of the of the story of the book. That like he that Batman corners him and he's just like well see I'm already in handcuffs so you don't win ha, 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 ha. and he's being right, dragged yeah, yeah, away yeah. in the straitjacket just like <laughs> laughing his ass off like he won I'm like that that was a really nice t- I really I think I laughed out loud like I had a pretty yeah, good chuckle at that's, that at that's that
0: like a, a child taking taking their ball and going home basically <laughs> yeah 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 exactly
1: exactly it, it just a good like oh this person's like. Woo, you know like
0: yeah yeah so Batman uh apparently there's like rare jewels that were in the in the shipment and he stopped by to chaperone the jewels and ran into mastermind and and, you know caught him so he and Gordon are kind of like chatting about you know how the jewels are in town and blah 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 yeah and then we get to Edward Enigma the Riddler getting out of uh, Arkham or what is it Gotham State Penitentiary Yes, and yeah, yeah. You see you see him like getting out of the of the chain-link fence and you see some goons like looking like they're ready to kick his butt and then they're like surprise and they brought him out a cake cuz they're like stoked that he's out into the world again. They're like ready to do more crimes.
1: <laughs> my literally my first thought and I didn't even have to write this down, my first thought when I saw these beautiful beautiful goons was who the fuck are these gasoline alley motherfuckers? I love them, yeah. and they I love a, them.
0: If there was three of them, I would say three Stooges because they do have that vibe. Well, I but think it's definitely four. that.
1: Well, yeah. there's, there's Shemp. There's clearly Shemp. It's clearly Curly, Mo, Very, and Shemp. But it's just even yeah. just the like, like the way they're dressed though, like the clothes and everything, just remind oh. me of like you know L- Little Abner, Gasoline Alley, and like even sure, the, like, sure. The, the comedic uh, the last panel on on the uh on the second page, like after the reveal, like the last panel of all of them kind of like poking their heads in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, just just reminded me very much of like early comic strips like like that kind of like you can like tell from far away that there's like a gag going on here.
0: Yes. So you know? they they're ready to do more crimes with the Riddler. They brought his they brought his Riddler suit. And yeah, Riddler's like thanks boys, but I don't need it anymore. You see, I've decided to quit. And they're like, but you can't, you're the greatest. And he's like, I'm a failure. I riddled my brains out and Batman catches me anyway. If only I could outsmart him just once. And then this, I love this gag. I love this gag. And the, the goons are like, oh, it could happen. And the other one's like, yeah, Batman gets hit in the head a lot. Maybe he's dumber now. (laughs)
1: that was a good point like very early on this goon bringing up the possibility of CTE in the superhero profession (laughs) right 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 (laughs) you you know like NFL's having to deal with that shit
0: like you go a couple rounds with Clayface and Bane and you're gonna get dumber
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's just only so many knocks you know uh, helmets don't protect you from concussions Bruce like you should know this
0: uh the goons decide that they're going to they convince Riddler and Riddler's like uh, he's going to he's going to give it one more shot. If he cannot outriddle the Batman, then he riddles no more is what he says. And and that 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 last panel again. Like yeah, the, the bowler tip, eyes yeah. in shadow. He's like, I'll Riddler no more. It's it's so good. Mike Parlebeck, again, crushing this issue all of the like acting and all of the figure work and all of the, the gags, like it all just flows so well.
1: Yeah. Like I'm in no position to, uh, give someone advice on like what to put in their portfolio if they want a job drawing comic books. But I think that studying these kinds of, uh, stories is Mm -hmm. just like, not only like a sort of like a, a class and like how to do it well, but like Also, like, very easy to track, though, too, so you can show, like, a younger artist, be like, look, like, this is how you make things clear without words because you should always, the actions should always be clear at the very least before you get into, like, how to make things more dramatic or more whatever, whatever, but, like, right, baseline, can you tell what's going on on the page without the word bubbles, you know? Yeah. And like and here and here you can like you can tell there's something like dramatic like happening like you know there's a conversation going on and you know and it's like this with like every issue of Batman Adventures and I yeah. think it's really easy to get lost in that because it can get it can get hard to to hold on to it for like more than like two sure. or three pages you know.
0: I mean we've seen it in the regular mainline Batman stuff where it like just kind of falls apart or they lose the thread or the pages seem similar. And it's just like, you really have to be paying attention to like understand everything that's happening because they're not giving you a whole lot of road flares along the way to like give you a heads up and not so with Batman adventures. Like even without dialogue, you're like, Oh, I, I understand what's happening here.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's like, there's like different, uh, schools of thought and like filmmaking and like, Uh, of like what the camera means you know and like film theory and all that and like someone like david fincher is a good example of and he talks about it of like he prefers to think of the camera as like um the eye of god you know like that like the camera knows exactly what's going to happen and everyone in the scene is powerless to like stop it but it, it also though he uses it as a way for um he knows he's manipulating the audience right so like Like, that's what he's doing it for. Like, he wants to direct the audience to these specific things. And, you know, and some people have like, you know, just different ways of doing it, of like being more ethereal, like whatever. But this is just a very good like if you want a job in mainstream comics, like if you can show editors that you can do this like consistently, then like they'll love it because you'll be like, oh, shit, I know what's
0: going on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) right, right. So that's the end of act one. Riddler's doing one last riddle. Do you want to start breaking down act two?
1: Yes, I do. Because I love the title act two days of wine and riddles. <laughs> also, also, I get, and all the fonts, man, all the fonts and sound effects are like, like I'm usually not a fan of too many sounds sound effects or really any sound effects at all. I think it's just, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get away with it without sound effects, it makes it more impactful. But these, like they make it, if you're going to do sound effects, make it a part of the art, like an actual yeah, part of the art, not, not just like a, a kind of like hanging over it, you know, like, like, yeah. you know, like stretch it and 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 shrink it, you know, make that's, it like.
0: That's a good point. On this work. page, they have Mr. Nice crashes into the armored truck and there's glass going everywhere and it says crash or K R A S H H H H. But it's like woven between mr nice and the bad guys so the crash sound effect is the window between them that is being shattered yeah. so it's like woven into the art in a really great way that i think is subtle and it's it's one of those things that's like you read it and you're like oh of course but you know not everyone does it and yeah yeah you want to you want to you know there's artistry to it as well
1: yeah, it's just like I've mentioned before about uh Bendis and the overlapping word balloons, which more people do now, but like, sure, you know, it's just like, yeah, if I want to signify that there's a snappy back and forth happening, I'm just going to inch these a little closer, you know, and, yeah. it, and it's, it's just such a simple thing that not a lot of people always do,
0: you know. There's, there's definitely an artistry to lettering. Uh That oh, said, yeah. I'm, I'm a little curious if these sound effects were done by uh, the letterer or the artist because I've gotten some pages where people will hand-draw the sound effects in, like artists will hand-draw the sound effects in, and yeah. then I get to kind of mess with them. And then I've definitely gotten pages where there's no sound effects, and then when I when I receive the book, it's like, oh, there's the sound effect, you know? Like, yeah. I, I was wondering how that was going to fold into the art. Um, yeah. I don't think there's, as a colorist, I don't think there's a right and way wrong way to do it. I think that either way is good. I always panic when I have to color sound effects because like I there's like this idea that. So because I overthink everything and I take everything way too seriously, I'm like, well, okay, how loud is the sound effect? Okay, well, I have to echo that in contrast to the color that's already down there to make the uh, to make it loud or quiet. So it has to like, like a loud sound would have high contrast and a quieter sound will have lower contrast. So then I get like lost in that and then I'll turn the thing in. And they're like, can you just make it orange? And I'm like, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but like, I think that more often than not though, that kind of thing actually like pays off when you think about it that deeply, you know? it's, it's Sure. It's- you know, it's kind of like yeah. the acting, it's it's like the acting advice that people get. There's this like famous bit of acting advice where um, Michael Caine was talking about how a director once told him like there was a scene, like a long scene they were shooting that he had no dialogue in. He had no, he didn't have any lines, but his character was supposed to be longingly looking at like a couple of other characters at this party, right? And like, and he's like, he didn't know what to do with himself and like, The director was like, well, just the entire time I want you thinking about not as the character, but yourself, you know, like wanting these people like imagine yourself wanting these people and then it will come through, you know. So, like, I think there's a lot of subtleties for when you, you know, go that deep that like tend to pay off. More often than not, and then sometimes you get someone just. Go, I just wanted orange, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, like yeah, this, yeah. This it's is like, the
0: like, thing <laughs> that I've encountered is that sometimes people are like, "Oh, yeah, sound effects worked really great," and then other times they're like, "Just, just make it orange so it pops off the page so that people can read it."
1: And yeah, like, okay, yeah.
0: All right. You just reminded me. It's like
1: the the great representation of a frustrated artist that is on uh, that is Bob of Bob's Burgers. You know, yeah, where he has all these yeah. fancy burgers that he puts so much thought and effort into. And people are like, I just I just want a cheeseburger, man. He's like, but yeah, right. But I have this That's one. with
0: <laughs> Dude, that is the whole thing with like commercial art. At, at some point, you just need to make a cheeseburger. Like I'm, I'm working on I'm working on a, a Deep Space Nine book. Right. And I'm doing a cover and it's like a group shot cover for Deep Space Nine. And like, there's not a lot of like sauce I could put on that, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. At what's the, the end emotion
1: the d- behind the right? People like, standing I can't make there. it.
0: I can't really make it moody. I can't really like, you know, go over the top. But what I can do is make the best fucking cheeseburger I possibly can. You oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can and make then it like, fun. Like the the goal of it. Well, even beyond making it fun, the goal of it, I saw less about the the cover itself and more about okay. What's the I want to make this the image for every single Deep Space Nine wiki or nerd like reference point out there. Like, let's do this as well as we can, as thoroughly as we can, as well crafted as we can to just make this the Deep Space Nine image, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like just because like you're an architect, if you don't end up being like, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright or, you know, whatever. I can't name another famous architect. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you still like, can be like, well, I still want to do like, you know, the best work on this office right, park right, right, that right, I, right. that I can, yeah. you know, like yeah. people have to work here and I want to make it cool. Yeah. I want to make it good. And I want to, there's,
0: there's opportunity for artistry and then there's opportunity to just like crank out an awesome cheeseburger, you know, yeah, just,
1: just, just, just to do craft, you know, like sometimes yeah. you get to build a cool looking house and sometimes you just get to build a house but people are going to be living in both so yeah
0: sure sure yeah uh, But, so but, yeah, wanna, but should, should we talk about the actual issue or should we just yeah segue into our uh architecture podcast
1: uh roman mars watch your ass They're coming <laughs> for you you know what the one percent of not invisible is is me coming with that boot <laughs> for your ass
0: okay all right let's stay in our wheelhouse because i think roman mars will intellectually fuck me up so let's let's try to stick with batman
1: oh i think he'll physically fuck me up like dude like runs like he's really into running i think he's gonna run from san francisco to new london connecticut and just beat my ass which i haven't listened to the show in a while but roman if you're listening it would be an honor
0: It would be an honor to receive the boot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a I'm not a tough guy. I read comic books. Come on. We're back in. We're in act two. Mr. Nice crashes in. This is a bunch of great action scenes. I love the character design of Mr. Nice, and I love any scene of him just like from the, the scenes from him crashing in to that beautiful panel of him just like two guns. Just yeah.
0: So, Mr. Nice kind of reminds me of, like, a Teddy Roosevelt kind of character. He's got, like, the mu- mustache and the the uh, circle glasses, yeah. and then he's got two, like, drum Tommy guns, and he's just one in each arm, just letting it rip. Yeah, just completely. And then I, I, I
1: both of these first two villains, the um, Mastermind and now Mr. Nice, like, the way... The way they are defeated is just some of the funnest, most hilarious shit to
0: me. Yeah. So Mr. Mr. Nice crashes into the armored car trying to get the jewels. And he's like letting it rip with these machine guns. You know, the, the armored car people are like heading for cover. Mr. Nice pops into the back of the armored car after like cutting a hole in it with the machine gun fire, which is freaking rad. He goes, the ma- the name's Mr. Nice, drop your weapons and reach for the roof. And and uh, you know, the, the guys inside are like, oh geez. He takes the takes the stuff, right? He's like, pleasure doing business with you. And what happens then, Jason?
1: Well, then one of the security guards starts crying because you know, this this whole robbery thing is gonna cost him his job. And Mr. Nice suddenly realizes, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about like how this would affect anybody else. After he yeah. just crashed in, just, like, unloading untold hundreds of bullets. Yes. Oh, wait so a minute. Then, so then what happens? Well, he starts handing the security guards money from the all the <laughs> shit that he's stealing. And then, and then the other security guards join in and be like, hey, yeah, me, um, me too. I got, I got kids to feed, you know, and, yeah. and I got a pet buddy named George
0: is he's like it, he's like yeah here's a little something to tide you over in the meantime when you're between jobs <laughs> yeah
1: yeah which gives them enough time and all these really happy security guards are like oh yeah whatever which solidarity with them yes just yes fuck that company let them take the money take as yeah. much money as you want from that company they're probably awful <laughs> but then that gives batman enough time to just kind of pop out of nowhere and i love wrap up okay mr nice real
0: quick there is one word balloon. Uh so like he's handing out his cash and he's like, I he's like, I actually don't have that much cash. And and the security workers all have the cash. And he's like, Say, why don't you fellas come with me while I hawk the jewels? And there'll be plenty for everyone. And they're like, Yay. <laughs> it's so it's so good. <laughs> I know, because like I I don't know. It's just, it's just funny. It's just funny. Yeah. The whole, yeah. The, whole and the, the security whole scene. guards. So Batman's wrapping them up and the security guards are like, what a swell guy, huh? And the other guy's like, "Ain't he though.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they don't ever address like, wait, uh, are the security guards just walking away with all that cash they gave him? Like Batman going to do yeah. nothing about that. I mean, Hey, I, I mean, bet. cool. If he's not like, I'm not going to say shit like, y- 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 you know, but yeah, man, the pr- the first two acts in this book are just so like, just the tone, the tone, the tone that it it's set so just so beautiful, so beautiful. And then at the end of the act, well, near the end of the act, you see uh, some skywriting after Batman is uh, tying up uh, uh, Mr. Nice to the uh, ever present lamppost. I always love a yeah. good lamppost to from. There's a really
0: good, from. there's a really great shot of, uh, so Mr. Nice gets wrapped up and kind of like pulled up and out of frame in one panel. It's three vertical panels and then Batman on top of the lamppost, like top down kind of thing, like over the shoulder of Batman. And he's mostly in shadow because the lamppost is pointing down and then everybody else is well lit. I thought it was a really interesting shot. Mike Parobeck again, flexing on that on those uh, really interesting, complicated shots. Uh, No slouch when it comes to the art. And then we pan down and now we're under the lamppost again and Batman is looking up at the sky. So we we kind of like tilt up and then tilt down in like a really interesting way. You don't see that kind of movement happen a lot within comics. Uh, and it was just very interesting.
1: I mean, I, I suppose it wasn't strictly necessary, but it just really helped set the kind of like, you know, that Batman really was balancing on top yeah, of this lamppost. Yeah. You know, because you see it yeah. very quickly, but from two drastically different angles and then the way to have that show the skywriting you know like yes. is just a, 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 a wonderful little trick that just like moves it seamlessly so you hit know? me hit me with the riddle the riddle is what's got wings that do not fly arms that have no hands and eyes that cannot see
0: all right so we have we have our riddler He's, he's let the riddle loose, and the next page is like a newsy kid with a newspaper. And he's, he's holding the Gotham Gazette, and it says, he's back. And it's got a picture of the Riddler, and it says, Riddler's riddle racks city. And so I guess people are trying to f- figure it out, I but guess. But also,
1: I just want everyone to remember, always and forever, headlines mm-hmm. don't sell papes, newsies sell papes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone remember that.
0: When I moved to Philly, there was this is apropos of nothing, I guess, but like it doesn't doesn't not pertinent to Batman, but when I moved to Philly, for some reason the the handful of people I, I kind of fell in with in my twenties all like had either all just seen newsies or like, we're excited about Newsies, that, that movie. <laughs> and so like, they kept talking about Newsies and I was like, I am not going to watch this fucking movie. Like, like it's, you never watched it, seems, it when you were a kid. I've never seen Newsies. No, no. It has,
1: it has a young
0: Christian Bale in it. Does it really? Yeah, I guess it, it when- is. All, I guess it is always about Batman.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's when it's when Christian Bale was uh, a teen heartthrob for a minute there. He was in like Tiger Beat, like magazines and shit, you know, because he's been acting since he was a kid.
0: You're telling me Teen Beat Tiger Girls were (laughs) going to see Newsies. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: Uh, Well, yeah. A a musical about boys dancing and singing. And uh, oddly enough, a Disney produced and distributed movie that is extremely
0: pro-union. Which wow. wow! Solidarity
1: forever, unionize everything.
0: We we have the the Newsy Hawken papers, and this guy's there's a guy in the foreground. He seems like he's a know-it-all with his wife there, and he's like, "The answer's simple. He's gonna steal the blind penguin of Marrakesh," and and <laughs> you just he gets thumped on the head, and you just off-panel hear somebody go wrong. And it's, <laughs> It's Riddler with all his goons just and they're just rolling. Yeah. Rolling down the street. You know what it reminded me of? There's a classic uh, cartoon that is I don't know if you've seen it. It floats around Twitter every once in a while of like police pushing a man at, in, into the uh, into the gutter and they just like out of the way swine cartoonist coming through and it's like a cartoonist with like two women under his arms
1: yeah i was i was thinking about that before when we were talking about the like fun not having fun like you know or yeah, like yeah. you know the uh, um yeah the like what people think like professionals get i was yeah right right just yeah yeah but yeah just again top tier goon content great great shot i do wonder if the uh, the people the the bald guy and the lady there with the beautiful, yeah. beautiful clothes are like supposed to be anybody like like anybody yeah, I works D.C. or anything.
0: It's funny because like the Newsy. The Newsy doesn't look like anybody. It looks like Mike Parobeck is just like, I'm just drawing a face. And then those yeah. two people kind of look like they are in reference to people that actually exist. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe it's like Mike Parabak's friends or something. I don't know. Yeah. So the Riddler and the goons are are walking around town, and Riddler keeps like people keep trying to answer answer the riddle, and then Riddler keeps bopping them on the head and being like, "Not even close!" (laughs) Like, it's so stupid. It's not technically illegal. It's just very silly.
1: Well, I mean, I guess, I guess it is. uh, I guess it is assault. I don't. I mean,
0: kind of. It seems very playful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't press charges or anything just mostly because like, you know, you know how like you get really excited when you see a dog out in public, even if you like have a dog yourself, you're just like, Holy shit, a dog. Like, yeah, I I think like if, if this was, if I was in this world, like anytime I saw a goon, I would just get just as excited.
0: (laughs) Very, very excited about that goon.
1: Yeah. And then then, of course, Can I I pet your goon? Yes, exactly. I always ask, all right? I always ask before I pet someone's goon, okay? Cuz I don't know if that goon is nervous.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that goon's
1: a rescue
0: just doesn't do good around speaking, people. Speaking of, one of the goons gets a little emotional in this yeah. Batman adventures. Yeah, gets a little
1: emotional. You can't understand uh can't understand that there, riddle.
0: So the goon is upset. He doesn't know what he's stealing. He's like this this riddle This riddle's actually super tough, and he's like, I don't know if Batman's gonna fix it. I don't even know what we're stealing. He's just having a real like emotional time with it, more than anything. Like, I don't think he's actually sad or upset. He's just feeling a lot of feelings, kind of thing.
1: They are such sensitive goons. Like, and I also love how though, like, they like (laughs) they're like talking to each other, and like how like before they're like bucking up the Riddler. Now, yeah. These goons have a very strong emotional intelligence. Okay.
0: Right. Yeah. They want the best for the Riddler. They like, they're like, we want to do crime, but we also just want the best for you, my dude. We want
1: want you to be happy, man. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, know, like, Batman gets hit in the head a lot. He might be dumber. Yeah. Let's let's go. Fuck up, champ. Come on. Not so bad. (laughs) Beautiful goons. We cut to the Batcave. Batman's sharpening some batarangs and practicing with uh, them in the in the back cave. He and, and Alfred he are looked, discussing. He just looks so happy, too. He's yeah. so, so happy. So happy to be sharpening batarangs and throwing them at cardboard cutouts of goons. Well, because ninjas. he's hunting. Well, because he's doing his favorite thing, which is hunting human
1: beings for sport. And there's only right. a matter of time before he starts murdering, you know.
0: Right. Exactly. So. Like the rich do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Batman and Alfred are having a conversation about how, oh, like, did you figure out the Riddler's thing? And he was like, I haven't had any time between Mastermind and Mr. Nice. I know the professor is right behind them. He's the known quantity. I'm going to go protect the jewels. I don't know what the Riddler's up to, but he is going to have to wait. So he's not even working on the riddle, the riddle at all. Yeah. So Batman's like, I just hope I get lucky. And we get into... Act three, Triumph for Tragedy.
1: Yeah, where where we see the professor great shot on the jewels that everyone wants, which really really nice, nice design, just like you know, piece of like, here's this huge hunk of thing that like looks old and expensive. Sure, sure. You know. But also I just I absolutely love the professor just complaining about the modern security system. Just this like this this fucking leave it to beaver you know, my three sons fucking
0: yeah, yeah. character over here. Tweed uh, Blazer, pipe in the mouth. The professor is reminiscing about security systems. And the goon is like, uh, which which wire do I cut, though? Like, are we going to get the show on the road here? Like, how do I disable the security? Si-? And he's like, not now. I'm reminiscing. I mean, it's like <laughs> going on and on. He's like, let me tell you something, kid. There's a lot that a young punk could could learn from that old Gotham mint. And then Batman's just there. He's like, "Uh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, just standing there. Yeah. And then the goon is like, grab the jewels. I'll hold them off. And the professor's like, you know, he's got his pipe in his hand. And he's like, not like that. You won't. He's going to flip you over his back with his feet. And then he's like, see, and the goon is just chucked into the next room. And then uh, the professor's like, now, if you had faked a clothesline tackle, then pile drived into the misdirection, you would have gotten somewhere. But does he listen to me? No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just the entire time, just like having opinions, but doing absolutely fuck all, you know, (laughs) to, to help, you know, just just standing there. He the professor is just essentially like everybody on Twitter you know (laughs) who's like who's just like well you know what you should do you know what you
0: should have done yeah and here's how you do this and here's this remedy and that we get the professor does he listen to me no and then we see the riddler in the background at the museum trying to steal the jewels as well yeah well because that that was that was his plan the whole time yeah so batman is taking care of the professor in one room and his goon and the riddler and his goons are in the other room stealing the jewels
1: yeah and the goon just very easily the one goon just very easily just snips the wire while batman's busy kicking the shit out of the right out of the other goon and uh I do love a good reverse, uh the, the last panel on that page, that reverse shot of like outside showing the two windows and on one window on the left is everyone running away and the window on the right is Batman still kicking the crap
0: out of Yeah. <laughs> out so of good. The so good.
1: Yeah, it's just such a great and it's it's such a great use of like the economy of the space of like, okay, here's how much story I have to tell. I don't want to tell it too quick, but I wanna remind people right. that like oh Batman's still tied up and like yeah, here's all this story I can tell in one little panel, you know? Yeah, totally.
0: Like, yeah. Batman continues to, to work the goons. He eventually finishes off the professor's goon and then comes into the room. He's like, it's over, professor. And the professor's like, mm, not for you, Batman, because unless I figured that wrong, Eddie Nigma scooped us both. The jewels are gone. Batman's like, oh, damn. It goes outside. The Riddler in full celebration outside. Yeah. Clicking his heels. He has not seen Batman. He has figured he has outwitted him. Batman did not figure out the riddle. He's like, we made it. We finally made it. The goons are celebrating Riddler celebrating. And then Batman nabs the, the jewels at the last second right out of Riddler's hands. And he's like, no, we were so close. I almost had it
1: yeah yeah but 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 that but then asking him like you know when did you figure out my riddle and batman just being like i didn't figure out your riddle i didn't even know you were gonna (laughs) be here yeah 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 yeah.
0: and and then how like i've never seen a riddler story where batman was like oh i I didn't figure out the riddle i was just here it's just coincidentally i've never seen that
1: yeah well and they they spreaded it really well I, i think yeah Absolutely, you know, like threaded it really well, and then just like, and again, the ending just made me laugh because of like the you know, <laughs> the Riddler just being happy that Batman didn't figure out the riddle. Like that's all he needed, and, right?
0: Right. And and he doesn't I think, need to get away with the crime. He just needs yeah. Batman. He just needs to stump Batman. So Batman's yeah. like, I didn't figure out the riddle, and the Riddler's like, as he's locked away in the the police like a uh, uh, paddy wagon. He's like, what you didn't. But that means I won. That means I won. And then it's like him at trial, loving it. Him being dragged to the Gotham State Penitentiary, loving it, singing happy days are here again.
1: (laughs) I, I swear to God, one of my favorite panels of this entire book and maybe this entire series, maybe I should start keeping a list. But is the judge literally throwing a book at the Riddler, while he's on the stand, and while someone's trying to hold him back, it's just so like this, like this, like shocked bailiff trying to hold back this judge, hold just back
0: the judge, literally full, throwing the book at the Riddler, and the Riddler just, does not care.
1: Oh yeah, just feet up, kick back, doesn't get you know he won, like you know, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, like some, that that panel, excellent, is just, excellent
0: uh, visual storytelling. Gonna get
1: that panel tattooed on my neck. <laughs>
0: a very very good issue a little a little dense because there was four villains whopping four villains in this 20 page issue yeah yeah
1: but i appreciate how like with like pretty minimal violence batman like took them all down and how like the professor was just like i don't know he didn't even need to hit the professor because he was just like yeah he's just like well
0: like professor's like yep well Back to prison. <laughs>
1: yep, Riddler got us both, and uh, you know, what that's that's how that is because gentlemen don't
0: resort to fisticuffs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You uh you wanna hit the letters column?
1: Letters.
0: This was a pretty critical letters column because in issue six they started being like. We're going to start giving away art. And i theorized that by the time we got to issue 10, we're going to start to see reap the benefits of that in the letters column. More people are going to be writing in. And lo and behold, we're here at issue 10. More people are writing in. They're talking about winning art. So I guess it's worked. So we have yeah. a lot of we have a lot of people writing in about issue six. Issue six was. Do you remember what it, what it was called?
1: Issue six was the uh, the the murder mystery with the secret uh, room. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: I, I forgot what it was I called. People mentioned it a couple of times in the. Yeah. But yes, it was the murder mystery issue where Bruce Wayne is framed for murder and he's in jail, and yeah, you know, Batman uh, has to solve it. He sends Dick Grayson over there, not as uh, Robin, but just as Dick Grayson. He gets cold cocked. Yeah, it was the it was the whole thing. We loved that issue. I yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but I think that was one of my favorite issues so far of the Batman adventures.
1: I think so too. Yeah. Cause it was just a pure, I think, I think when we talked about it, like I mentioned how it was just, just a nice, pure, like detective story and they, someone in the letters, one of the letters mentioned, uh, and I can't believe, uh, I was kicking myself for not thinking about it before, but they mentioned the, um, how do you, how do you pronounce it? The Fletcher or Fleischer
0: brothers? Yeah. Cartoons the Max, like, Max Fleischer cartoons.
1: Yeah. The old super, which yeah. are just amazing like master classics you know but i was like holy shit that's right that that that's what a lot of this stuff like harkens back to like it just it makes the whole world of like you know uh batman the animated series make so much more sense
0: the third door is what that issue was called and when people were chatting about it in the letters column it did make me go back because i feel like we did i don't know if we here's the thing jason Mm we may need to be watching more Alfred Hitchcock movies because oh, I've,
1: I've, watched a bunch apparently of apparently his,
0: his DNA was all over this. Yeah. So there's Tippi Hedren slapping Hitchcock in the face in one of the panels in well, one see, of the I group d- shots in the party.
1: I, I will admit I didn't catch Hitchcock himself. Like the story, like, yeah, sure. Like I've watched sure. a lot of his movies and Hitchcock presents. I actually loved Hitchcock presents when I was like a little kid. Um, yeah. And uh, some of the stuff really freaked me out, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually catch the like the the Hitchcock actual the reference. Ba- Hitchcock yeah. is actually
0: in the in the party scene. Yeah, yeah, I didn't catch that one. And he it wasn't injects su- himself into all his movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't surprising to me that well, a that I missed it, and b that it was there. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, we're not shocks to me.
0: So also, uh, one of the things I missed was that. All of the credits names were listed with their favorite, I assume favorite Hitchcock movie. So it's Kelly, the wrong man, Puckett, Brad, psycho Raider, Rick rope, Burchett colorist, Rick vertigo Taylor and letterer, Tim spellbound Harkins editor, Scott frenzy Peterson. Like I thought that they were just, this was because it's listed in the beginning of the issue. And I didn't know what we were getting into. I was like, Oh, they're doing a like, Silly thing, you know, like the Simpsons sometimes do for trios of Horror. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. 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 So it, it, I didn't make that connection until I saw it here mentioned in the letters column.
1: If their favorite. Hitchcock movie was actually North by Northwest. They're like, oh, no, no, that's too long to fit in there. Okay, pick pick a single,
0: <laughs> pick a single Guess word. Guess what? Your favorite's uh, Rear Window. Now, yeah, here you yeah. go. Here yeah, you we go. Gotta,
1: we gotta fit that shit in there. I'm not, I'm not freaking writing out <laughs> North by Northwest. You're insane. Oh, to catch a thief. How about to catch a shorter title? <laughs> I've been digging. Thank you for sending me the letters. I've I've been I've been really really digging the letters. It's been They're quietly good. I'm, one of my one of my to... favorite parts of like I didn't realize how much I missed letters columns and the way letters columns yeah. used to be in comic books. I'm like, oh yeah, because they can control it, so it could just mostly be like fun, and they could hide the people like being shitheads.
0: So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they can screen out the dinguses. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find. Uh... A a good letter to read here. Here's one that I I think that uh, a child wrote in. I think this is a child. Dear Scott, here's a picture of what I think Poison Ivy will look like when she's in the comic book. I hope it doesn't offend you or whoever draws her. Is Batman the Animated Series going to be canceled as most shows are this next fall? I'm sure Bat fans, Bat readers and Bat watchers don't want to see it go. I was wondering, does Batman like being a crime fighter? If you're wondering why I asked, it's because I have a book on Batman and it says he swore to enforce justice. By the way, does the Batcave have a soda machine? Joshua Shears, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that letter. Uh, Scott writes back. Yes, Bruce uh, decorated the cave so the machine's red and white logo would fit in perfectly with the rest of the decor. Not to worry, Joshua fans, readers and watchers will all be able to see the animated show next season as well and no, Batman doesn't really like being a crime fighter, but he feels like it has to be done. <laughs> yeah, that very was, very
1: good. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. It really the the reading the letters column makes me like I I I have a pretty good wall of um not getting, not ever falling too far down a nostalgia hole, you know, like I sure. can enjoy, I can enjoy things that I enjoyed when I was a kid without like w- wanting to recapture the whatever of being a kid. Sure. Sure. But, um, but man, like that, that, the, the, the letters column really hits me really like, cause especially like thinking about being like nine years old, you know, and like and
0: enjoying it, Yeah. Just like yeah. Just the, the purity of like, you, you don't have any of the, like, you're not aware of how to make comics. You're not aware of that even, like, people are doing, you're just like, I'm just sitting down and loving this book, and I need to know if Batman has a soda machine, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. And then you get to have the editor answer you that, yes, he right. does have a soda machine. And you're like, I, I, I fucking knew it. And you tell all your friends at school, Batman has a soda uh, machine. And they're like, no, he doesn't. I never
0: saw it in any of the issues like, I have. You're like, I wrote to Scott Peterson. He wrote me back. Here it is in black and white.
1: Look, they printed the letter. Batman yes, has a soda. Batman machine. canon. Yeah.
0: The Riddler wrote in to this issue. Did you catch that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cute. I thought that was cute. I, I like and wrote, I like how they, they, they played along, too.
0: Yeah. So he wrote, Dear Bat Brains, riddle me this. Why is your security like a peanut shell? Answer, because they're both so easy to crack. That's right. Last night I broke into your puny little comic company and raided your Batman Adventures files. And what did I find? Not one story with me. I think we better shape your shape up. Shape up your act or else you might not see your precious editor editor, Scott Peterson ever again. The Riddler, Gotham City. And... Scott was like, believe me, that's a threat no one around here would find frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like
1: what well, I think the top 10 list referenced the letter, too. And like one of the. things oh, he, yeah. He, he, he said he hired someone who was the mailman to uh, infiltrate so, the offices for him. I'm like that. Yes. That yes. That's
0: clever. The guy wrote in Dear Scott, here are the top 10 reasons why I should win the incredible ongoing contest offer giveaway type thingamajiggy. He's trying to, he's angling for those sketches. Yeah. He said, would be number 10, number 10. I watched all the animated shows, but I liked the book better. Number nine, my envelope was unique. It took a lot of blood, sweat and tears and deserves an award itself. Number eight, I once saved a man's life by not killing him. <laughs> number seven, I haven't had any complaints. Leave everything just the way it is. Number six, you told R.H. Gray and I quote, Another way to get a letter printed is to hand deliver it to me personally. So I got the mailman to do that for me. Number five, I've been buying Batman off and on all my life, but this is the first one I've ever collected every month. Number four, I taught my Bungie Bird Frisbee to say Mike Parobeck. Number three, after reading the first six issues, all I can say is he left me speechless. Number two, I buy all the Batman Adventures comics. In fact, I camp out in front of my bookstore for the, until the latest issue arrives now for the number one reason why I should win the incredible ongoing blah, 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 blah thing is if I win, I'll write a letter to your boss and recommend that you all get big fat raises. That was Jason Young in Canada. And he goes, he was like, Oh, good reasons. All, but Jason, especially that last one. Good reason. (laughs) It is
1: this this random fan wants, wants us to get raises. So, uh, kick that uh, page. Would you?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's start ponying, ponying up the cash here. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. The customer is always right, you know? Yeah. Can I, can I read one more letter? Of course, yeah. Uh, Dear Batman Adventures, I had to write in to congratulate you on issue six, Locked Door Murder Mystery. In these days of 20-part crossovers with no clear plot line, it's so refreshing to read an entire murder plot complete with solution in one issue. Despite my reading of literally hundreds and hundreds of Batman's comics in my time, I don't believe I've seen the unique twist that you put on the Bruce Wayne can't tell the authorities his real alibi because they'll realize he's Batman idea. Those usually involve Bruce actually in his Batman guise. This plot was Bruce doing something physically impossible for the normal playboy. It's a great idea. The other uh, touches in the story that I really enjoyed was the dying man's verbal homage to Citizen Kane, which was... When the when uh, the dying man was passing away, he started saying Rosebud. He just said, Rose dot dot dot. Yeah, I got that. which is I don't know if we I don't know if we covered that in the uh, episode six either. But I I was like, oh, that's that's kind of great.
1: I remember catching that.
0: Yeah. Bruce's all caps crack reprisal to his fellow inmates, quieter, lower caps, crack punches after the guard left. His and he explained uh, the departure of his jail cell and all that his emergence from the secret clock passageway after his effortless on screen discovery and undisclosed entrance and his hand signals to a well-trained Robin on page 20. All that stuff we talked about. So, so good. Yeah. Um, Admittedly, I was worried that the quality of the Batman Adventures comic would not meet the Fox television standard. And in fact, I only started buying the comic as bedtime stories for my three and five year old boys. However, I'm delighted to say the comic is equally effective for all the boys in my family, my 33-year-old self included. Huge fans. Keep up the work. Don Driscoll, Glastonbury, Connecticut. He says, thanks, Don. You were the one of the few who mentioned the Wells tribute, meaning the Citizen Kane. I like the mystery of Bruce's ability to get in and get out with no problem, too. Was
1: that really Glastonbury? That-
0: yep, yep. Huh. Huh. You want, you want the stinger for the next issue? Yeah, sting me.
1: Sting me, baby.
0: Next issue, there's a monster high above Gotham's streets. Can it be the return of Man Bat for the first time in our beloved book? Ooh, scary. Find out when Kelly, Mike, Rick, Rick, and Tim bring you The Beast Within. See you then. Scott Peterson. so we're gonna get some on leather wings action for our uh next issue fuck yeah yeah i know
1: yeah i noticed the i noticed the cover in the dc app once i got to the
0: yeah yeah it's a really good cover um we'll talk about it next next pod you want to hit the two read pile
1: yeah 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 let's see what we're reading
0: You bring anything to the pot
1: uh actually um well i'm still uh reading william gibson's wonderful um all tomorrow's party which man like in between reading like uh nightfall and like all like the 90s like anachronisms that are in there sure and then reading all tomorrow's parties which is really really good i'm really enjoying it but it is such a specific uh 90s sci-fi dystopian view of you know, and it was published in like '96 yeah. or '97, I think. So, like, it's it's like right in that sweet spot too. But it is just like you're living the '90s. Yeah, yeah. But I did one of the books I bought when you were up. One of the books I bought from the Sarge's, uh, Actually, you know, yeah. let me grab it so I can remember their uh, their name. Sure. This book, uh, published by Silver Sprocket, out of San Francisco, yeah. fine purveyor of fine comic books. This beautiful artist. Uh, Raven Lynn Clemens uh they've they made this beautiful book The Paradox of Getting Better and it just it's just all like seemingly drawn just in like you know dark like hard pencil and it's just these beautiful vignettes of someone obviously uh not having a good time and kind of acting <laughs> out and acting badly and it is just I don't know it's just really well done and I don't I don't know it just it's just lovely The The Paradox of Getting Better by Raven Len Clemens. Um, everyone should check it out. And also just cool. Ch- check out anything from Silver Sprocket. They're, they're, yeah. they're so great over there. If you want new books by people you might not have tried from various different views and styles and whatever, it's oh, yeah, always I was a great say, publisher to grab from.
0: One of my favorite editors at Oni years ago left Oni, uh, R.E.R. Wood. She had such a good eye for comics just in general. Like she's just very very she's like a, a tiny uh quiet uh you know LGBTQ woman and she's a sweetheart and you would not know it but she just has this like tenacity to be an editor. Like she's just very very good. She left Oni and then she was doing. I don't know what she was doing for a little while like freelance or what but She started editing over there at Silver Sprocket. I think she's still there now, but when she switched over, I was like, oh, I hadn't heard of this company at all. And I just like went on the website and ordered anything that was like remotely interesting. So I got a big stack of stuff. I think I actually opened it on stream and talked about it because I think this was like right around when the pandemic was ramping up. So I opened all the Silver Sprocket stuff on stream and uh, read all the books and they were mostly hits like just. A lot of like really odd, weird fringes, zine stuff that I would not normally be exposed to, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, that, that, I love that stuff. That's my lifeblood.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I generally try to pick up uh, any zine I see at a show, some like weird stapled together, like yeah. out of the way, like somebody putting it on the line, like yeah, this is just... their weird idea and, and they've executed on like, I have enough respect for, like, how much work goes into making comics like that, that, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, this is love of the game right here. Like, I'll oh, pick that yeah. up.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, speaking, of lo- speaking of love of the game, what, what, uh, what games and or books are you loving right now?
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. Are you ready f- to just bring this whole podcast down a notch, Jason?
1: Yes. Let's are kick you ready it to down simmer?
0: a notch. Are you ready to simmer in sadness?
1: I want to (laughs) rest
0: I read ducks by Kate Beaton uh, two years in the oil sands
1: oh we were talking about that when you were up and I expressed my love of Kate Beaton oh
0: so I'd only read hark a vagrant which is like these funny strips about like historical people like Napoleon and stuff like that she's a big history buff she loves museums Uh so she like kind of makes these funny comics about life in history kind of thing. That was what Hark a Vagrant was about. Yeah. This this is something else, Jason. Ducks is uh it's a thick book, and it's about her being out of school, and she describes herself as coming from in Canada. She's Canadian. Um she describes herself as a Living in a in the most have not town in the most have not province in Canada. And she's just like she gets out of school. She has an art degree and she's like, oh, my God, I have student loans like I need to work. And like it's basically her. Just like hearing that there's jobs out in these oil sands in like the middle of Canada where they're mi- like literally mining oil out of the ground. This is like yeah two thousand four two thousand five. Yep. Um, and it is not fun. It is not good work. It is,
1: is a is it a it's it, a dark world. Everything having is, to do with oil is there. There's no part of that process that is not so. It's about
0: shit. it's about her experiences. She's there for two years Um, after the first year she pays off about half of the student loans and then she tries to work for a museum and make ends meet and she can't and she has to go back and then she works for another year before she pays off her student loans and it is like just like a dull despondent sadness for like humanity basically and capitalism and what people have to do to like kind of connect in this world the a lot of the people that she works with like she poses in the book this idea of like were these people like bad people bef- like before they came to the sands or were they did they become bad because of the sand? Like if you stay, she's for, for. Let me explain to what the, what the sands are. So like, it's a, it's an oil refinery area, but you also live on site. So they're in these like, like, you know, shack buildings that yeah, have like, like sh- shanty towns
1: that, that right, show up right. whenever so, there's. Yeah.
0: But there's also like an actual town out there. But like, if you want to make money, like if you want to really make money, you know, you don't want to be spending it on rent. So she's in there in this shanty town and she's like one woman for every 50 dudes that are there. And all of the dudes live. everybody lives there. Nobody goes anywhere. And then it's like, it's like these like hardened dudes who like used to be fishermen used to before, like, that trade got commercialized and like taken over. And then, so they've been pushed out of the things that they love into this place, just like everybody else has kind of thing. And it is just Jason. It is heartbreaking. This whole thing. um, Yeah. A beautiful book. Everyone should read it.
1: <laughs> I mean, Kate, Kate Beaton is a beautiful artist. She's a wonderful, um, I mean, everyone should read anything that she's done. She has a children's book. If you're looking for a kid's book out there, she has a children's book. A little book bit called...
0: of a lighter read, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think she actually has two children's books now. She has one called King Baby, and then yeah. another one that I think was, yeah, with, um, I forgot what it was called, but I think it's what they used for the basis of her uh, Apple animated series that she got called uh, Princess and Pinecone, and it's about nice. a, a warrior princess and her trusty very, very round pony pine cone. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but yeah, but it's, it's, um, she's her, her figures are, uh, her, her art style is just so beautifully, uh, expressive. And it, it to me always reminded so, me of some of my favorite, like New Yorker cartoonists,
0: you know, and like, that's sure, something sure. that
1: I immediately, like the first time I saw her work, I was like, holy shit. Like,
0: yeah. It's yeah. deceptively simple, yep. um, but extremely expressive. If you if you take the Scott McLeod scale of like, you know, uh, the yellow sticker smiley face to like a photo of a person. Yeah. Like as as far as like the art that you can create, she's definitely on the side closer to the sticker than the photo of a person. Yeah. So like you're not going to get like, you know. Like solid realism out of her, but it, everything she draws is enough to tell the story. It's, it's all there. It's all you need. Yeah. Um, I will say that ducks is one of the more ambitious of her products that she's done. I uh, think it is like more ambitious of most, her comics.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there is a large cast as she gets shuffled around from place to place. And I think that the only, the only criticism I have of the whole book is that sometimes it's tough in her art style to understand who's who and what's what, especially because like mostly she's interacting with men who have facial hair and and it's like it's kind of tough to get everything straight and correct. Every once in a while, she'll talk about a character and I'll be like, did we see this person? Have we have we met them before and i'm like yeah. i'm like oh i, I like kind of have to go back and like check she i think she realized this because in the beginnings of each chapter she has like a bunch of faces uh and like labels of like who are these people and what do they do in the on the job site kind of thing and she even does it in the beginning of the book before she is in the sands she'll be like you know kate kate Beaton, a new graduate of college and then like her brothers and sisters and stuff and it's just Man, the book is just so beautiful. I finished it and then I was I was planning on leaving it somewhere in Connecticut with someone. And then I finished it and I was like, I want to read this again. So it came home with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's always that's always a mark of a of a really good book.
0: It's definitely a book where it's one of those things where it's like it's so dense and there's so much going on that, you know, that you're missing things. And you know that you need to reread it to fully, like, wrap your head around everything that's going on in this world.
1: I feel the same way. I've been thinking about, um, I think I talked about it in on one of the first episodes, but I've been feeling the w- same way about that book, Sabrina. Um, yeah, like I read it and I really, I loved it and I still think about it. And like, but yeah, like you said, I'm like, I feel like there's something though that like, right. I need, like, feel like- it's like,
0: I feel like I picked up maybe 80% of what ducks was putting down. Yeah. And, where and I'm I like, think- I kind of want to, I kind of want to retread that space again and feel the dull despondent sadness for humanity and <laughs> capitalism and the things that we put each other through. And, yep. Uh, uh, the, the situations that turn our, uh, friends and neighbors against us and, and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Just feel all those feelings again.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But also I, I want to like retread that stuff because it was so rich and then also mine for the stuff that, that didn't jump out at me in the initial first read.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also like a little while back, uh, speaking of rereading, I want to reread this again. And I think we were talking about it at some point, but I, I read this beautiful, uh, Guillermo del Toro interview that was from 2016, like just before shape mm-hmm. of water was coming out. But a lot of the interview was talking about art and like process and like how he does things. And Sure. Uh, it, was, it was so great hearing him talk about all that stuff, but also like him talking about how like he always carries around a tablet or a laptop with him that just has like thousands and thousands of his favorite movies, you mm-hmm. know, highest definition loaded on it because he'll think of a scene or be trying to figure out. it, So he'll like use it for inspiration or use it for like, oh, wait, how'd this person do that? And I think that's yeah. something else I'm starting to return to more as I'm trying to aforementioned, like kind of get my creative uh, spirit back. Um, yeah. to, and, and like, and, and I find myself like really liking like something like Sabrina and then just like, but I think about it, I'm like, yeah, but how did he do that? You know? So like, I think I want right, to go right. back and like reread it, but also like,
0: you know, I don't know if to you remember pages, um, and, you know, dissect it from this, from this podcast, the, uh, third issue of Batman adventures when, uh, Ty Templeton has the Joker beating the commissioner with the baseball bat and he's getting yeah. like more and more disheveled. Yeah. So I wrote, I wrote a story that has a character beating someone to death in it. And I was like, I didn't know I wanted to build tension and I was trying to do it. There's, um, there's a Junji Ito book. Uh, the one where the fish cr- crawl out of the sea. Do you remember? Did you ever read that one? I've, I actually, I honestly don't know. I have like so seven like, of them. Fish, fish kind of like these robotic legs, these spindly robotic legs kind of like come out of the fish and then they're walking on dry land, but they're dead. So it's these dead sea creatures that are walking around and attacking people. It's very, very strange. It's a strange, strange book. Uh, well, as a lot of this stuff book. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but there's this moment where like one of them is in the house and he's like, not sure where it is. It's like skirt. He's hearing it scurry around and it's a, like a lot of shots of just him. And you know that like something's coming and you turn the page and it's more just him walking around the house. And then you turn the page and it's him walking around the house. You turn the page and it's him walking around and you're just like, Oh, get to, and you hear like a skitter and then that's it. And so I was trying to build it. I think like that because I was like, I where like, one character hears another character being beaten to death and he's like trying to find the room kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of wrote it like that. But then when I read Batman adventures, I was like, Oh, this is, this is where I wanted to be. Cause the story is about the madness that that person is going under. And that Joker just like being a sweaty, like madness, like bat wielding insane person is, yeah. is, you know, where I, where I want to be rather than this building of suspense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I totally get it. And I, I feel like that's why partly why this pod is very good for like anybody who builds anything as far as comics go, because really taking a long look at a comic rather than just reading it for 15 minutes and then putting it away. Uh, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful to dissect.
1: Well, yeah, I think, I think what a lot of people don't get taught and never really find out, and I, I wasn't taught this and I had to find it out that any kind of storytelling, you know, for any kind of medium, like so much of it is just sitting down and like asking questions of like how that worked, you know, like how did, how did Scorsese do that oneer? Like, I want to do that in my movie. And so you, and so without, and so like absent, like the internet, you know, if you're making a film in the, uh, uh. Mid 90s and you want to do a Scorsese one or like in Goodfellas, you watch right. the that scene over and over again and you try to dissect like, OK, we're going to have to have the camera here and have to. And just like you were saying, you're like, oh, like right. you you thought you wanted to build tension, but then you read this different book and you were like, actually, I think, well, the more of the point of what I want to do is like the right, madness, right. not the tension. So, oh, that's the way to do it. And then you start thinking like, well, how did they pull that off? And like, it's just such a great starting point because you can see this is how someone did it and then you get to make it your own because you don't want to just do a straight copy no 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 because well and also because it's just not if plagiarism yes don't do a plagiarism kids kids but also that like it's probably not going to work in your story the way it works in their story so you still have exactly tweak do still gotta adapt it yes yeah yeah We got, some, we got We got. a thick sode, man. We do thick-soed. got a thick sode.
0: Thick sode. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, thanks. If you thanks made it this for far, everyone. Yeah, dear God, I feel like I owe you money. <laughs> if anyone's made it this far, I feel like we need sponsors so I can pay people for who like sitting, <laughs> <laughs> sitting and listening to me for like shit. Everyone, we have to start paying Nick, okay? Like he has to do all this work. He has to listen to me. You have to listen to me. <laughs> someone sponsor us so you can start making I, uh, money
0: uh, this, this part's not the hard part the hard part is doing the editing after I actually have a hell of a week of comics in front of me so I'm going to be trying to squeeze in as much editing as possible we'll see what happens All right. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you where can they get in touch with you they can
1: get in touch with me on twitter at kingofblackacid
0: and they can get in touch with the show and see when new episodes are live at worlds Second finest, that's a two ND, the number two. And they can get in touch with me at Nick Phil. Also, uh, and this is gonna be many weeks late, but I was just uh on arcade pit with my good friend the boys. We were uh Sagata Senshiro fan club, that was our team name. We were on Arcade Pit is a uh show put on by Giant Bomb right now. It is a kind of like the old uh nick arcade uh show i don't know if you remember that where they would play video games competitively against each other it was like kind of for kids um so this is a a version of that that uh smite streams on uh his twitter and then goes over to giant bomb so that's up on youtube now i've tweeted about it if you want to check that out uh, for some video game action about midway through, I find out maybe I'm bad at video games in a very public way. So, you know, that was a, that was a good time. Also, also I got a drawing prompt within it. Cause there's a little bit of drawing. My drawing prompt was goth Luigi. So if you want to see Ooh. goth Luigi and somebody trying to figure out what the hell I'm drawing, go check it out. Goth them Luigi's man. Yeah. Gotta goth your Luigi. Gotta goth the Luigis. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for
1: listening, y'all. Was that really Glastonbury? That... Yep, yep. Huh. Why, you kn- you know Don? No, no, I'm just trying to think of what shops were in, like, the Hartford area back in the day, because I know that Sarge's had a location in Groton for the longest time, while also Did having- Did they like, really? They had, I didn't they know had that. Few, They had up to three at, like, the height of, like-
0: This podcast now, by the way, is for you and me only. Oh (laughs) yeah, we're we're talking about extremely local shops in Connecticut in the (laughs) nineties.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, Glastonbury.
0: Uh, Did you ever go to shops uh, outside of like the Sarges Comics, New London, Groton area when you were a kid?
1: When I was a kid, not um, not especially. Like a few times when there were like when I was more into like collecting cards and stuff. Like I think yeah. it was like the, the Marvel series three of like their trading cards. I was like all about, uh, yeah. But like, yeah, not, not really. Cause Sarge's pretty much just had everything, had everything. We needed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was, I mentioned Sarge's cause I was just in town we went to Sarge's and I bought some, uh, books there. Uh, I mentioned it in another discord and somebody in there was like, Oh, I've been to that shop. You know, they're, they're really good. Their prices are, uh, are, pretty normal, like, you know, not too high, not too low, but, you know, a really good shop. And I was like, I was saying that I feel like Sarge's is part like maybe a solid half of the reason why I'm into comics now, because as a teen, we'd go in there and just be this like cave of weirdness. It just like all kinds of just odd stuff that like collectibles and things that like i would not be exposed to otherwise you know yeah
1: well and and, and also an extremely um an extremely in, inviting place you know like at a time yes. of like the early 90s which in it still wasn't the best time to be a nerd if you weren't like a white straight guy and yeah like but they were always so good of about like every you know, every type of person just like, yeah, here, here's your like, oh, kid, you're interested in this. How about this? Oh, yeah, you can read the book while you wait, like whatever, like they yeah, you know, yeah. Like any, any of the stuff that like the original owner, Bob, like any of the stuff he actually cared about that was like valuable that he wanted to flip or whatever. Like he kept that behind glass anyway, you know, like. Right, right. <laughs> you know, It's, it's so like all like,
0: the monthlies, all the monthlies are just out. And like as a yeah. kid, you go in there and like flip through whatever. Like I could sit there and read the issue if I wanted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody he, was, nobody was pushy. No one was hassling. I actually went into a shop. So I was hanging out with my brother. He was teaching me stick shift. And uh, we were at the crystal mall parking parking lot in uh, Connecticut in Waterford. And so he was like, you want to go hit the mall for a second? And I was like, not really. And he was like, you don't want to witness the decay. And I was like, sure, sure. So we, we walked around, there's a toy shop in there. That's actually pretty good. And they had comics. And I was like looking at the comics and they had a sign on there that was like, do not touch the comics. Do not read the comics. And I was just like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I, I fully agree that, like, they're, they're probably, Sarge is probably is probably a large percentage of the, and, and Farrell and Bob, especially back in the yep. day, yep. like yep. a young me, like, especially when I, and they're, they're a lot of the reason why I continued to read comics because, like, I don't think without their guidance and encouragement and, maybe giving me books that I was a little too young for when I was like 14 years old and like wanted to read Vombo day. And like, sure, they just like Sure. You, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, don't let your parents find this kind of thing. But like, I, I don't know if I would have kept on with, um, with how much I love comics. If, if not having this, like the other avenues that I was able to go down and see yeah, just yeah, yeah. how, how wide of a, uh, of a form that it is, like how many stories I can get. Right. Like if I, if I thought that it was only going to be superheroes, like maybe I would have been one of those people that when I was like 16 or 17, just kind of been like, eh, like,
0: yeah, right. Like, this like is Gabriel. for kids, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like, man, like I, I could just talk, I, we could do a whole like 12 part podcast series on sergeants, <laughs> you know, for like, the
0: you know, sure, sure, sure. The FBI raids, the, the, yeah. the collapsed ceilings, you know, the, 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 the times,
1: the, the, the times that, um, I was, uh, the, the, the times I was between jobs when I was like, I think 19 and I really wanted comics. And so like, and Bob needed something reorganized. So like, I like two weekends in a row, like you reorganized volunteered. A, yeah. I reorganized comics. Of, yeah. And he's like, he's like, well, I'm like, well, can you pay me? I'm like, here's like, I was like, here's a stack of like 10 books that I've been wanting to get. He's like, how about yeah. two weekends in a row? I organize these things and. Get these and maybe a couple other things and he's like looked at the books I could see him kind of doing the math he's like yeah sure you know (laughs) he's just doing the math in his head he's just like oh man this is way cheaper than like yeah yeah man
0: (laughs) yeah 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 this is way cheaper than paying someone an hourly rate to just organize this stuff that's going to take three three to six hours or whatever yeah yeah
1: yeah this kid will do it it'll be done fucking great whatever yeah yeah yeah